0: This episode of Before the Trainwreck podcast is brought to you by the Grondike Soap Company. Guys, I use tactical soap and God of War beard oil every single day. Tactical soap is a handmade natural product made in the United States of America from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not endocrine-disrupting chemicals that are going to lower your testosterone. Both the soap and beard oil is infused with bio-identical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Go visit coopersoap.com and that will automatically apply 10% off your order. Consider grabbing one of the Trifeca packs to save even more. If you are a bearded man and want a majestic beard like yours truly, the God of War beard oil is hands down the best beard oil product I've ever used. Gentlemen, this is the most manly handmade soap that we know of. Other soaps are going to get you clean. This one will get you dirty. Again, you're going to want to visit coopersoap.com now and place your order. That's Cooper, C-O-O-P-E-R, soap.com now. All right, guys, welcome. Uh, we're at the 25th installment of the Unplugged Alpha podcast series, and uh, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. Um, this, this just happens to be the time of year when uh, there's quite a, few, quite a few more divorce filings uh, just outside of the holidays. Actually, I had a conversation with my lawyer and, um, you know, he was telling me that it's, it's usually after the summer, um, summer holiday breaks, after you spent a lot of time with your significant <laughs> others and family and in-laws all together. And usually just after Christmas are when they see the two big spikes and divorce filings. That's, that, that's the information I got from Canada. I'm joined today with John Hubin from, uh, the National Parents, uh, uh, sorry, National Parenting Organization, Don, um, What's it like in the U.S.? Is it also the same thing where you get the end of summer spikes and the after Christmas holiday spikes with divorce filings?
1: You know, which I, I don't actually know. Uh, so what you uh, said to me was uh, news to me. It doesn't surprise me. I think it's when people are uh, cooped up together um, that uh, sometimes they look at each other and say, huh, I don't know about this. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. If
0: it's yeah, yeah, I found it interesting when I got that little, little nugget from my lawyer. Um, so... <clears throat> you were introduced to me uh, from one of your colleagues Anthony, who's familiar with my content he, I get a lot of emails from people that that, that want to come on and and you know dis- you know discuss topics and ideas and his email caught my attention right away uh, you know we, we formed some dialogue back and forth about a month or so ago and we scheduled this in um, but I'd like you to give the uh, viewers right now like a little bit of your batman origin story and what you do and how you got to what you do if you can you know, fill them in. I'll just give you the full screen so you've got the floor.
1: Terrific. Thanks, Rich. So um, uh, I don't know if it's a Batman origin story. I don't have any of the uh, uh, cool gizmos that he has. But uh, I am a now retired professor of philosophy from The Ohio State University. I taught at Ohio State University for about four years. I mostly taught moral philosophy, political philosophy, and philosophy of law. In the, I got involved in custody reform issues the way most Men do from my own personal experience in the early 90s. I was divorced from my uh, children's mother. I had three children, um, and I thought it was uh, one of the uh, worst experiences I'd gone through. Um, I, I I really thought I knew more about the law than the average citizen. I'm not an attorney, but but I did study the law quite a bit uh, in connection with my teaching, but. Uh, When I went through the Ohio family law system, my head was spinning about what happened to me. I got involved in a divorce reform group here in Ohio and and worked on that. As I did, I realized that uh, though my uh, divorce seemed pretty bad to me, it was really one of the success stories. I always had my kids with me at least 40% of the time, and then later I had them half the time. I uh, had shared parenting over the objections of their mother. Um, and I have a great relationship with my kids and now my five grandkids, and so um, life is pretty good for me now, but I've always decided that uh, those who go through the system and see how bad it is but aren't broken by it uh, have an obligation to try to correct the system, so I've continued to be involved in custody reform issues uh, ever since then, um, and when I became chair of the philosophy department at Ohio State, I didn't have time to keep up the Ohio organization that I headed up then, and uh, handed it off to someone else who let it die. But in uh, about 2011, Ned Holstein, who founded uh, National Parents Organization, then it was called Fathers and Families, as a Massachusetts organization, he came to me and asked if I would start up an Ohio chapter, which I did. And then I joined the board of National Parents Organization about 2014 or 15, I think it was. And then Ned Holstein uh, retired as chair of National Parents Organization, and I became the chair. So that's the, the, the relatively short version of the origin story.
0: Mm, okay. Um, and the organization's a parenting organization, so it's so it's genuinely looking after the best interests of the kids. I've always said what's what's best for the kids is to have as much much exposure to both parents as often as possible um, when the parents get divorced. I mean, ideally you want kids raised in a two-parent household. That doesn't work out all the time. The knot gets untied. Um, unfortunately, here in Canada, I mean, about 80% of the time, women are getting most of the custody orders and uh, primary caregiving rights or whatever as you want to call it. But uh, it's it's really important. And for for an organization like this to exist that that's collected a lot, like a wealth of data, like I put out a video maybe a a couple of months ago where I was going through a Wikipedia page um, that broke down the legislation by state, and that is not as useful as as what Don's about to give you guys today. So I want you to pay close attention to this, even if you watched the last video, you're going to get a lot of good information here. Um, I want to start with uh, the top five and top, sorry, the top five and the bottom five states for child support equity. Um, and there's some differences there you know based on legislation versus what what usually ends up happening uh, did you want me to put your uh, screen share up sure okay go ahead
1: so let me first say something about the research that we have already published on child support we've actually been doing research on child support for several years um, we we have, uh, we're have we sitting on a mountain of research on child support. At, at one point, we thought it would make sense to do a report card on uh, state's child support guidelines the same way we do on their custody laws. <clears throat> but we decided that uh, the, the issue was too multifaceted. There are too many different disparate uh, factors that went into the child support guidelines. So but we didn't do that. One thing we did publish last year was... Um, this page on our website, it's under the uh, work website and under research. And you, you'll go to the child support thing. What we did was to uh, take a scenario, a hypothetical scenario that we constructed that takes a father who's earning the median income in the U S and a mother who's earning the median income for women in the U S and they had one child. And then we assumed that dad had the children 35% of the time. Now at that point, if the, if, if both parents have at least 35% of the time, they both have the fixed costs of you know housing and utilities and things like that that are necessary to have extra people living in the home. So we took out of the mix the housing costs that uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, estimates child costs related uh, to, and said you know both parents have that in their house, so we take that out of the mix and we calculated what the uh, USDA thought was the um, cost of raising a child in each state. And so this interactive map will show you, for example, and some people will be interested in this contrast, in Texas, under that scenario, the uh, USDA monthly cost of raising a child is estimated to be $137 a month. But the Child Support Guidelines in Texas and uh, have the obligor paying $761 a month.
0: That's a pretty big the, discrepancy. What that's a that? huge
1: discrepancy. And if you go across the border, just imagine two towns here a couple of miles apart, one mm-hmm. in Texas and one in New Mexico. There, the estimated child costs in New Mexico are $131 a, a month. That's very close to what it was in Texas. But the child support guidelines have a presumptive child support obligation of 276 So... This map shows two different things. It shows the disparity between the uh, actual child-related costs in the states and what the presumptive child support order is. And then it shows the the disparity, really the the sort of um, inexplicable variation in uh, child support orders between say Texas and uh, and New Mexico. So just
0: to clarify, Don, like. If if the cost of raising a kid is $160 a month in that state, and then the the difference goes up, let's say whatever it is, $760, that's generally what the courts will award the other parent for child support monthly if they're the primary caregiver to the child?
1: Exactly. So So what it,
0: so what it enriches did. the other parent yes. with significantly more than what's required to raise that child.
1: Absolutely. Part of the problem is that um, the, the child support system in most states is built on the presumption that there is a sole custodian and a visitor. And so the idea is get as many of the financial resources as possible in the children's home. And that's what's best for children. Mm. and you know if the non-custodial parent almost always the dad doesn't have as much to live on well okay that's that's too bad but you know we got to do what's best for the children
0: so it's not based on what the child needs it's based on what the court feels like they should send over to the other parent's house that has the children for the most part and
1: and a lot of it is explicitly lifestyle continuity Mm -hmm. ensuring that the lifestyle in the in the custodial parent's home doesn't go down at all um so uh, the problem, of course, is we know that the research shows that it is best for children to have two homes if the parents are living apart and they be with both parents roughly equal amount of time. And the <clears throat> child support guidelines really aren't built on that model.
0: Mm. So, Let me just pause you for a sec, Don. Yeah. Um, Tony, if you can hear us, uh, there's a request for you to drop the link for whatever Don's got up on the screen. So if you can drop that link in the live chat, then that would help awesomely. Thanks.
1: Oh, someone asked if this is behind
0: your paywall. Absolutely not. No, no. I think he was asking about the um, yep. cast itself. But all, but all of these links that, that, that Don's showing you right now, um, it's sharedparenting.org. And the link for that is in the description below. Um, I'm hoping Tony can hear me right now, but um, Don's colleague should be able to drop the links in uh, the live chat for you. If he can't, then I'll just go. Oh, there you go. Right there. It should pop up in a second for you guys. Go ahead, Don.
1: So um, there is this uh, disparity between the states and there is this uh, this gap between what is an actual child expense and what the presumptive child support uh, orders are. And, you know, asked if this is what the courts will typically order. Under federal law, the states have to have a guideline child support calculation, and that guideline ha- uh, child support calculation has to be presumed to be the appropriate child support order by the courts. And so if you're going to uh challenge it you have to go to court and get a court to say that uh, there are extenuating factors here that uh, allow the court to deviate
0: so um on this interactive map which would be the top 5 uh states or is that on a different map that we're going to look at
1: so um i think that, the 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 map doesn't actually list the top five states. I'd have okay. to look at the underlying spreadsheet that we have here. And I don't have that offhand, but Texas is a high state. Um, California is fairly high. Massachusetts is egregiously high. Let's get Massachusetts there.
0: What's the difference. It's very difficult to see on my screen over here. So, um,
1: the, the USDA estimate of the cost of raising the child would be $196 a month. And the, uh, Child support guidelines issue an order of nine hundred and forty-nine dollars. Wow!
0: Now, the problem that I see with that, Don, and I, you know, I wrote a book and I covered in one of the chapters of my book, "Why Smart Men No Longer Marry," um, that that incentivizes the parent to, like, one parent, which is generally going to be the mom, uh, to obtain custody of the children, because not only does it give her unilateral. You know for the most part unilateral decision making on pretty much everything where you live what medical procedures religions all sorts of stuff of course it's going to vary from location to location but it also moves a significant part of the father's resources to her and it's and it's it's sad because they they're generally not doing it because they love the children more than anybody else i mean the you know to argue that the mom loves the children more than a father or the children would be do better under uh, the mother's care is really an absurd statement but it's it's really about money and control i mean would you agree with that or is that something that you don't see eye to eye with me on don
1: um so rich i don't talk about my divorce very much um uh-huh. but but you're you're encouraging me to to break that (laughs) silence and i will say this when um i was the one who wanted the marriage to end but i thought that we would go through mediation and we would have a dissolution and we would you know agree to shared parenting and my ex was bound and determined that if we were going if the marriage was going to end it was going to be by her divorcing me so she went to a lawyer another very aggressive lawyer and i told my ex when, when my served for the papers that I thought we would mediate. I thought we would have shared parenting. I was always a highly involved father.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And she said, I would never try to keep the kids away from you. The kids wouldn't stand for that. I know that. But my lawyer says I can't agree to shared parenting because it might affect my child support.
2: Mm.
1: So I know from personal experience, that's true. I know from the experience of working with so many divorced fathers that, that at that often is the sticking point in, uh, getting shared parenting. So I, I, I do want to talk about yeah. some research that we are about to publish that I think will be more directly responsive to your, um, yeah, go ahead. question about the best and worst states. Uh, while we decided that it didn't make sense to do a report card grading all of the states on their child support guidelines overall, because there are so many different factors that go into it. How do we estimate the child costs in the first place? What formula do they use to to, uh, to to apportion this between the two parents? Most states use an income shares model, but Texas, for example, we just mentioned Texas, they use a percent of obligors' income model. Very different models, and there are lots of things to. Um, criticize about uh, about the different models that are used but what we decided it did make sense to do a report card on is the issue of the degree to which the child's court guidelines of each state either creates a barrier to shared parenting or facilitates shared parenting and the um <clears throat> results are very interesting um all right so I think you said something about the five worst states. I'm sorry, I can't give you the five worst. I can give you the nine worst states.
0: All right, let's do with the these,
1: nine. The, here are the states, Alabama, Arkansas, oh, I, although I think Arkansas, their law is under uh, revision now, but Alabama, Arkansas, Connecticut, Georgia, Mississippi, New Hampshire, New York, Texas, and Washington. And why are these the, the nine worst states? because they don't have any parenting time adjustment at all in their child support guidelines. And what that means is that a father who has his children with him 50% of the time will presumptively pay exactly the same amount in child support as a father who never sees the children at all. Wow. And now that father who has the kids 50% of the time can get a deviation, but the father has to go to court has to file pleadings, has to file evidence. This takes time. It's beyond the capability of most parents to do on their own, so it means hiring a lawyer. And courts are reluctant to deviate from the child support guidelines because some courts believe that the federal government will penalize the state if it deviates from the guidelines too much. That's false. It won't, but uh, okay. they, they think that. So so we graded all of the... Um, states on really their parenting time adjustment. How do they divide the um, obligations of both the mother and the father between the two households uh, based on how much parenting time each of the parents has? And so there are those nine states that have no parenting time adjustment. A bunch of states, let me get uh, the number here, I think it's about uh, 11 or 12, maybe 13 states, do only slightly better. They have a parenting time adjustment, but sometimes the threshold for when the parenting time adjustment kicks in is extraordinarily high. In fact, in three states, it doesn't kick in until it's 50-50 parenting time. So a parent can have their children 49% of the time, no parenting time adjustment in those states. Um, And in in all of those cases, the, the guidelines create a horrible cliff effect And what that means is that it makes a significant difference in child support depend on an insignificant difference in parenting time. So 130 overnights, the child, the the non-residential parent pays a whole lot more, 131 overnights, a whole lot less. Well, if you want a recipe to make parents fight, then build cliff effects into the child support guidelines.
0: Yeah. We see the same thing here, Don. It's, It's a it's a line in the sand that starts at 40 percent. So if you if you have your child 41 percent of the time or more, then it's shared parenting. There's no there's no uh, unilateral decision making. Money doesn't really flow anywhere if you if you generally have the same income. Um, But there's a big incentive to to one parent to to be the custodial caregiver to the children. Under the guise of the children need their mother, you know. Yeah.
1: and and really, I'm I'm really sick of divorce professionals complaining about parents fighting with each other, when in effect, what the divorce system does is to create a yeah, system it it. where they will fight against one another. They throw them into a death match against one another and say, "Look at these parents; they're fighting." Well,
0: uh, how how long has like I mean, I would argue that. Th- This essentially rips apart the fabric of society, right? Because you're like, when it comes to marriage, generally speaking, men, um, you know, it's high risk and it's low reward for men today, and it's low risk, high reward for women, um, especially if the knot is untied, because pretty much all the laws are in their favor. Um, It's, it's a, it's a very very difficult scenario and a lot of guys ask me this question all the time like you know how do i have kids rich you know like uh you know is it safe to have kids and it's like i just i just can't endorse it today um now there's some strategies that we're going to talk about here with you right now don that are going to cover some of the states that are friendlier to fathers. so i want to i want to be able to give guys some of that advice as well too mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, uh, marriage can be a perilous thing. And there are a lot, no one goes into it thinking the marriage is going to break up. No. But we know that a great many marriages do break up. And very often that breakup is acrimonious. And is How long consent. has it been that way, by the way? So one of the things that I find fascinating is the, the history of custody. Um, and here it is in a quick thumbnail. Uh, for many, many years, there was a presumption that fathers got custody unless the fathers were unfit. Now that surprises everyone. That was true in the 1800s and earlier. And then the the tender years doctrine came into effect. The the phrase tender years comes from a court decision where a judge said you cannot rip a baby from its mother's breast during its tender years. And so there was a presumption that mothers had custody. And originally the presumption was they would have custody until the child was seven years old. Seven. And then the father would have custody. Now, talk about something that's not particularly father friendly. You live with mom almost exclusively for seven years, and then at seven, you go to day out and live with him almost exclusively.
0: When so did that ten- change, Don?
1: That the the that seven year sort of thing that was only for a short period of time in the late eighteen hundreds and the early nineteen hundreds, okay. and then presumption of mother custody and in many states it was a de jure presumption it was written into the law The statute would say mother shall have custody unless mother is unfit and here's something that people need to keep in mind when they think about feminism it was the feminist law reform in the 70s that went through and took out the gendered language in custody uh, laws and so no state has a law that says mother has custody unless mother is unfit anymore so what did the states do Now, of course, we know the difference between de jure discrimination and de facto discrimination. The fact that it's not written in the statutes anymore doesn't mean that that there's not discrimination in the court behavior. But what did the states do when they couldn't have gendered language in custody? Well, they put in the best interest of the child standard. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is there were not very many custody battles when There was a presumptive father custody. Of course, there weren't that many divorces then either. But as a percentage of the divorces, there weren't very many challenges to custody because moms knew they wouldn't get custody unless they could prove dad was unfit. And when there was a presumption of mother custody, there weren't very many challenges because dads knew that they couldn't get custody unless mom was unfit. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you put in the best interest of the child standard? Well, in in all the years I've been dealing with divorced couples, I have never met a parent who says, I know this isn't best for my child, but this is the custody arrangement I want. Everyone thinks that the custody arrangement they want is what's best for their child. Now, sometimes they're acting in bad faith and they're they're vilifying the other parent in their own mind, but no one believes that the custody uh, arrangement that they want is not in the best interest of the child. So when they talk to their lawyer, the lawyer says, well, oh, the courts are going to do what's in the best interest of the child,"
0: and right. they hear,
1: "Oh, I'm going to win."
0: Yeah, so, well, that's what you think. I mean, it's going to be something reasonable. Right. Like I've seen, like I see my kids all the time. So that that's in the best interest. So that should continue. Right. But I've been a
1: highly involved father, so right. et cetera. Yeah.
0: You know, then they slam into a brick wall, and then reality hits them. Um, have you ever that's read that's why the book? we need
1: another clear presumption? Right? Yeah. I'm Sorry for interrupting, you, but um, you know, a, a presumption of equal parenting signals to parents. Look, unless there's something special going on here, unless one parent is unfit or abusive or something like that, it's gonna be 50-50 custody.
0: Yeah, we had a bill that was in parliament here in Canada back in 2011 or 12, I think it was. It was around the time that I was getting divorced and it just got quashed along with any hopes of me not having to fight you know, for a shared parenting arrangement. Um, which turned out to be a, a lengthy and expensive process. Um, I was asking you earlier, did you um, did you ever read this book called Marriage, A History? The author's name is Stephanie Kuntz.
1: No, I've not read
0: it. It's interesting cause it, because it, cause it goes back through time. I mean, they she basically collects um, as many church diary court records as she can get her hands on over several hundreds of years. Um, you know, she's talking about how marriage was handled in the past and it was generally not for love or for children. It was generally, you know, for the acquisition of in-laws. And most of the court records and diaries at the time showed that um, if there was a breakup in the marriage, more often than not, she would end up either having to go live with her family or work in a brothel, and he would end up with everything that was brought to the table at the time of the union and custody of the children. Now, that's changed, and, and it ran that way for hundreds of years, Right. Um, it's only been a recent history that that, that that's changed. And um, I'm wondering why you think that's changed. I mean, it, like, was it just to complicate, you know, the lives of family? Was it for state involvement in the household to break up? Fa- like, like, What do you think it is? It's well, very confusing. confusing.
1: Yeah, so a lot of things have changed. I mean, part of it is that uh, the, the old model of the... There was a doctrine in Anglo-American law called coverture that um, the man was the representative of the household and the man was like the governor of the household and women didn't have legal rights. They didn't have legal rights to property and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's part of what you were talking about. And, and, and that's changed. And frankly, I say good riddance to that old model. Um, I think that's a, a terrible way to uh, to arrange things. Uh, but, um, but but then what, you know, what hasn't changed is uh, the presumption in many people's minds that uh, children really need to be with their moms. Somehow moms are naturally better parents than dads. Dads are providers, moms are nurturers, so if the parents separate, then moms should nurture and dads should provide. And that just... um, uh is i think it's first of all it's ignorant of the scientific research and it just shows a kind of disdain for the role that fathers play in their children's lives and you mentioned earlier that you think that this is damaging to society there's plenty of evidence that it is we know that kids that are raised uh by single parents i'm not this is not to denigrate single parents i think lots of single parents are doing you know wonderful jobs but um, raising kids is, is difficult to, you know, anyone who's had a kid knows this.
0: Well, and, you've got a lot of the same data on your website. I came across, absolutely. It, I also put in my book that talks about how single parents basically screw up kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, two parents are better than one, right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, mothers and fathers bring different, uh, different skills, different challenges to their parents. Uh, fathers are often more likely to push children to take risks, the the rough and tumble play that fathers do with their children it teaches children's limits it teaches them uh, a sense of security and, and strength and a willingness to to, to to dare to do things and so forth there's lots of evidence about that and and, and so we've undervalued the contribution that fathers make uh, as fathers to children
0: yeah let, let's um let's throw the screen share back up because I know you've got a lot more to get through and I don't want to distract yeah, so, you from the the flow. But,
1: Sure. So I've mentioned a couple of times the report card model and uh, in 2014 and then again in 2019, NPO did a uh, shared parenting report card in which we graded the states on oh, yeah. their shared great. parenting statutes. And um, so I, I would encourage people to take a look at this. It's on our website under work and under research. Find Can you drop it the link for that, Tony? So if you, uh, if you ask me what are the worst states?
0: Can you for, just, can you just uh, zoom that in for me, Don? I don't sure. know if you can do it with the triple dot at the, at the top yeah, right there. Yeah. See so if that gets you better. Perfect. Yeah, that's great.
1: So if you ask me which states are the worst states, this is an easy one. New York and Rhode Island. These are two states whose uh, statutes do not even explicitly permit joint custody. Now, that doesn't mean the courts in these two states can't Award joint custody they can but only because higher-level courts have said that it's okay to do that the legislatures have not uh, Have not passed any enabling legislation for joint custody. If you ask me the best states Arizona um, uh, Gets an a minus Kentucky gets an a and there's a there is an update here so Arkansas which up until last April had a C plus in our ranking system now has a straight A along with Kentucky. Let um, me
0: just let me just hit the pause button on that for a sec, Don. Yeah. Um. So let's say there's somebody watching this right now, and you know they're uh, keen on this, and they're a smart guy, and they say, "All right, well, I'm going to have kids, but I'm not going to expose myself to unnecessary risk. I live in New York right now. Kentucky's not that far. I've got some family there, so I'm going to move me and my fiance to Kentucky before we start building this family. Um. You know, they have their three kids, you know, sort of thing, seven to 10 years goes by, like, what are the chances of the state laws changing? Or how likely are the state laws to change, you know, for somebody that might have, you know, set up their life or, uh, you know, prepared for, you know, being living in such a way that the state seizes a marriage that would impose state rules and legislation on when you can see your kids and where your money flows if that marriage were to break up? You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, great question. So look, um, anyone who's been involved in this knows that it is uh, frustratingly slow to get states to change their laws, and we have the the usual cast of suspects who are opposed to changing the laws, and and probably the leading uh, driving force here is the trial lawyers, and, and and you know this is this is a challenge to their revenue stream because. When you have a presumption of equal shared parenting, you have less litigation. You don't have the kind of litigation that generally causes uh, the, the greatest expenses. But um, I always remind people that the the winds of change are in constant, but they only blow in one direction. The the, the changes in custody laws have all been toward greater support for shared parenting. Well, that's good. So, so if you're worried about Kentucky or uh, or Arkansas or Arizona uh, changing their laws back in a way that would be less favorable to shared parenting, I don't think that's likely to happen. The, so, the, the, so,
0: the, so the trend, just to be clear, so the trend has been to give more shared parenting orders out than less.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. There's been no retrenchment. And in Kentucky, in 2017, they passed a statute creating a presumption of equal parenting during temporary orders when the case is going through the legal system that passed both chambers of their legislature with no negative votes. Now, Kentucky is a, is a red state. It's dominant, dominated by Republican legislators, but there are plenty of democratic legislators there too. And, and no one voted against the presumption in temporary orders in 2018 for the, uh, Presumption of equal parenting for permanent orders. There were only two negative votes in in both chambers combined. Two negative votes. It was it, it went through the legislature. It sailed through the legislature. And subsequent polling has shown that it's extremely popular in Kentucky. It has great support from the public. Um, in uh, Arkansas, that just passed an equal share parenting bill last uh, April. Um, th- that also passed uh, both chambers of the house overwhelmingly. We have, in Ohio, a bill that was just introduced in mid-December to create a, legal, a strong legal presumption of equal shared parity. It is sponsored by a conservative Republican from a rural area in Ohio and a liberal black Democrat uh, uh, representative from the Akron area. Um, and it currently has 59 co-sponsors, so 61 sponsors and co-sponsors. In an Ohio House of 99 members, um, this is this is a, a a movement whose time has come. And I think there will still be states where we have to fight hard for it, but but it's moving in only one direction. Now, you said if you're thinking, do, should people stay in New York? Um, I don't know how quickly New York will change. We have a chapter there; they're working on it. They're working with legislators. I don't know how quickly it'll change, but. Um, I didn't know how quickly Arkansas would change, and, and, and it happened quite mm. suddenly. So, I think what happens is that nothing happens, and nothing happens, and, not, and then it happens and it passes overwhelming. Can I, so.
0: can I maybe pose it to you like this? So, let's say you've got got an average Joe living in New York and an average Joe living in Kentucky. They've got roughly the same income, uh, the same number of kids, wife, you know, they've been married for the same length of time, wife makes the same level of income. So, comparables, apples to apples how would how would joe in kentucky fare in a divorce versus joe in new york well
1: there is always some discretion left to the judges the right. presumption of parenting tries to narrow that uh, that discretion significantly um, but uh, there there could be judges in kentucky who either ignore the law or they use their discretion to shade it against shared parenting but in kentucky the father would presumptively have equal time with uh, the children. And if equal parenting time didn't work, the backup in Kentucky is to maximize the time that the uh, parent having less time has. So there's a, you know, if equality doesn't work, you should construct a schedule that gets that parent as much time as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what they're presumptively entitled to. They don't have to fight for that. The other person has to fight against that. In, in New York, there's no presumption at all. Um, and the practice of the courts is largely similar to what you described in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's not just like 80% of the time does go to moms, but custody goes to moms more like 85% of the time.
0: Yeah. Um, I've got another map up here on my other screen. Uh, custody exchange was the one that I opened up from one of the links in the email. Yeah. And I noticed that Kentucky is... Like the title of the map says, how much custody time does dad get in here? I'm just going to throw it up on the screen just to kind of um, frame it. Uh, do, do, do. We can swap yours back in in just a sec, but but it's that sure. one there. But Kentucky's got uh, dad's getting custody about 50% of the time. Yep. And Tennessee, just south of that, is 21.8%, which is yep. sig- significantly worse off. Um, like quite quite literally, like you could be on a town on this side of the state line, move up over here and and lower the risk profile of having children significantly, couldn't you?
1: Um, Yes, but I want to say, I want to caution uh, people. um, Don't take this uh, custody exchange map seriously. It purports to answer the question, how much time do dads get uh, with their children in your state? Um, If they actually had data on that, that would be remarkable because no custody researcher I know has ever been able to identify any credible national research on what the actual custody decisions are in the states. Note, what what I said that the NPO report card does is to grade the statutes on the degree to which they promote shared parenting. Okay. States do not keep data on what their custody arrangements are, okay. and the methodology that custody exchange used to come up with these numbers is just not credible at all and i if actually if you pull the map back up again the custody exchange map up uh yep the the kentucky thing is credible but i gotta tell you that um our chapter leader in missouri will absolutely (laughs) deny that fathers typically get 50 percent custody there ditto for for uh, new mexico nevada colorado uh, north dakota that's just not not true. Okay. So uh, I'll tell you briefly how custody exchange did uh, their research. If, if, if to the best of our knowledge, we, we were excited when we first saw this website and we said, we want to talk to you about this. And, and they were very interested in talking to us at first mm-hmm. because they, they thought it was, and we would be an outlet for their products. But as soon as it became clear that we wanted to understand how they got these data, Don't um, matter. they, they, they clammed up. Um, and it was really they, they, they contacted a bunch of lawyers and said, will you take a survey? And they got sometimes as few as two lawyers per state asking them, how much custody do you think that uh, fathers get in, in your state? Um, sometimes two lawyers in the state. And the methodology could almost be uh, not be worse than that. Um, which lawyers chose to respond to the survey? What do those lawyers actually remember? What happens to fathers who don't have lawyers and so forth? So um, don't believe that. If, if, if anyone claims that they have um, credible uh, research on actual court decisions uh, nationwide, um, don't believe it. If they prove it's true, please get back to me because this would be earth-shaking.
0: Okay, so you've got a link there in the live chat from uh, Tony um, with that link to that page, listing states by grade. Um, What else you got for us on that, Don?
1: Mm. So I mentioned, uh, you you know, you were talking about are these things likely to change? And I mentioned that we had done polling. We've done polling in a, a number of states now, about, uh, just about 20 states now, on public attitudes towards shared parenting, and they are overwhelmingly supportive of shared parenting. I have a uh, slightly outdated now summary here. Let me make this larger.
0: Well, while you're doing that, can I just throw this question up on the screen? So JC is asking, so uh, this is helpful info regarding custody. Does Don have info regarding alimony division of assets as well?
1: I don't. I don't. NPO has not done a study of that. Okay. There is, in general, a movement away from permanent alimony, um, and uh, in, in a number of states, there there aren't any uh, strict guidelines on alimony. It's really left to the discretion of the judges. Although some states do have guidelines, California, I you know, has guidelines on, on alimony, but we have not done a comparison of. Uh, of I
0: think to so, I think to JC's point. I mean, like generally speaking. If you make a lot more money than the missus and she was a stay-at-home mom for a long period of time, you're gonna have to make monthly uh, maintenance or installments or alimony payments to her. Um, You're just not gonna have to deal with the fight of seeing your kids, which, um, like money you can always make back. I mean, okay, I know that money is important, but but kids grow up fast. And there's a lot of men out there that have spent a vast fortune and time and gone into so much debt just just trying to get access to see their kids and if you live in a state where you're probably not going to have to deal with that battle um that's just one big fire that you're not going to have to try to put out so yeah i mean you're not you're never going to get away from that
1: no but there 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 has been a movement away from permanent alimony to what's sometimes called bridge alimony or, or, or rehabilitated alimony so you know if if a mother has been stay at home um then uh, there will typically be alimony for some number of years to allow her to uh, build up her own ability to support herself a lot of variation between the states and and uh, i don't think we have the data to show us what states are doing generally okay so the polling on support for shared parenting is really quite stunning i said that this Uh, Summary handout we have here is a little bit out of date because it doesn't include the six most recent states where we've done polling I want to emphasize when I said we've done polling NPO doesn't do the polling it wouldn't do to have uh, Us call up someone to say we're national parents organization a shared parenting organization. What do you think of this? We commissioned this with a respected independent polling agency to do surveys in various states And you look here to the question uh, is it in a child's best interest to spend as much time as possible with each parent when the parents are divorced or separated? Across the board here, support is extraordinarily high. I mean, the lowest one is 87% in Kansas. And getting Americans, 87% Americans, to agree on anything is, is pretty, pretty difficult. Um, and, and look at the difference in the states. You have Arkansas, a small uh, red state, California, a huge blue state, overwhelming support. Um, do children have a right to spend equal or nearly equal time with both parents? Again, overwhelming support. Another. Is this
0: question posed to the courts, or who's this question? No,
1: this is to? this is this is a survey of ordinary citizens.
0: Oh, okay. So, that, yeah. I mean, that's really not that significant oh. because because it's the judge that that is going to determine the uh, custody arrangement stuff. Yeah.
1: Let me say why it's significant. Okay. Um, politicians care about it.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so.
1: Um, we don't have a chapter in Arkansas, but we worked with Arkansas Advocates for Parental Equality, and we did a survey with them here. And it was something they could take into their legislators and say, "Look, Arkansas citizens support shared parenting at this level." And okay, one so of the this interesting is good work questions that you
0: guys are doing, then, because you're trying to influence policies, then.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So here's a question: Would you be more likely to vote for a candidate who supports children spending significant, up to equal amounts of time with each parent following divorce and separation? Again, Got and it. that that gets politicians attention. So we've done this in, in all of these States that are dark here. If someone wants to visit the website here. They can, they can click all do Ohio. Ohio is one of the older ones we did here, but again, 82% believe it's in children's best interest to spend as much time as possible with each parent and divorce separation and so forth. Um, we also have on our website a way to, I, I think actually, if you click on a state where you've not done polling, um, there's a opportunity here. I'm not seeing actually, uh, there we go, opportunity to uh, contribute to a campaign to do polling in that state. So we've got public support. As you had mentioned earlier, Rich, we've got overwhelming scientific research that shared parenting is best for kids. Mm-hmm. And um, now the job is just to get the, uh, the legislators to, to come along. And this is, you know, this is a classic case where, If the people will lead, the leaders will follow. Um, The Legislators are dragging their feet, but I think we can get them
0: moving. Hmm. Uh, Here, let me throw this question up on the screen. It's a super chat from Christopher. He says, I'm three years at $120,000 in legal fees in my case in California. Mm -hmm. I finally won 50-50, but no end in sight. My two attorneys have combined 80 years experience. They agree less than 10% of fathers get 50% custody here i'm not
1: surprised i'm very sorry for him but i'm not surprised
0: you know it's a shame because like the whole appeal to getting married and having kids is to pass on your name pass on your dna to leave your legacy behind and far too often that's that's robbed from guys you know it's like you know the you got to fight tooth and nail for it it's 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 absurd but that's the world you know that we live in today right
1: And congratulations to him for, for getting 50-50 and for yeah. willing to, to engage in that fight.
0: But I mean, it only nope. took three years and 120 grand, right? I know.
1: But yeah, <laughs> no, no parents should have to go through that. I mean, the presumption should be that you're going to have equal parenting with your kids.
0: Is it is it about like a, I mean, is it about stealing the wealth of families and, and transferring it to you know the legal system and legal participants? <laughs> like, so it's so bizarre. Sure. I mean, like you'd yeah. think that the government would want people to maintain their wealth to have a nest egg and have money to pay for college and universities and housing and all kinds of stuff like that, you know, for their kids, but it's like robbed from them. So
1: Rich, uh, I saw a political cartoon that was made in the mid 1800s and it showed a, a cow that was stretched across a fence here. and. On the ears, there was one person pulling, and it said plaintiff. And on the tail, there was another person pulling, and it said defendant. Mm-hmm. And sitting on a stool, milking the cow, it said attorney. So this is a longstanding uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're absolutely right. The, the, the government ought to be wanting families to maintain these resources for the benefit of their children. But um, many politicians are lawyers. Um Many lawyers are contributors to politicians, and so they often have the ear of politicians. And I think uh, they constitute a special interest of in the trial lawyers. I've
0: seen I've seen such bizarre um, legal issues over the last few years. I mean, you know, since I've been doing this, and people bring this all to my attention, they send me articles and, and videos and clips and stuff. There was one prominent one that stands out um, a couple years ago. There was a guy in Texas, I think, and during the divorce, uh, his wife wanted to. Transition the child from a boy to a girl, and put him on hormone blockers, and get him on estrogen. And um, I don't know. His name was Peter, let's say, and she would call him, you know, Pam when the child was at her house. Um, and he lost the battle, and she ended up winning, um, winning the case. I think he even lost it in Supreme Court, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you know about this one, but I don't know the case. She ended up you know, successfully being able to be the primary caregiver and transition the child from a boy to a girl. And his argument was like, look, here's all the evidence at my house. He's playing with race cars and he dresses up as a boy and he wants me to call him Peter. And it's like, I don't know what's going on over there, but this is, but this is insane. Like, this is my child. What are you doing? And the courts like took that right away from him. They turned Peter into Pam. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those are um, difficult cases
1: when there are those kinds of divisions
0: between yeah, parents. And you just, but, yeah, and just, I mean, you don't have a crystal ball. I mean, you have no idea what you're going to be up against when you get divorced. Yeah. Uh, Chris's follow-up question or statement says, uh, she's on video arm burglarizing my home after she left. District attorney would not prosecute because no jury would convict her in California. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that's... Uh, it's it's really
1: remarkable how much bad behavior just gets ignored by family law courts, and, and and they don't refer it to criminal courts when they should. Is it on both
0: sides? Is it is it men and women, or is it fairly equal?
1: I think there's bad behavior on both sides. I don't know if there are any statistics about uh, about you know what the division is, but um, you know sometimes people say, oh well, you know if if someone lies in, in domestic relations court, you know they they're guilty of perjury. You know that's mm. a criminal offense. Well. We asked our local uh, um, district attorney, when was the last time anyone was prosecuted for um, perjury in a domestic relations case? And they sort of laughed at us. They said, they said everyone assumes that everyone lies in domestic relations cases. And so they've, they've never prosecuted anyone for that. Okay. And, and so there's no quality control. No, and, and, you know, um, people complain about the fact that uh, the that, that parents lie in court, but then they don't. There are no sanctions for lying, so of course yeah, well, people are well, going
0: to lie. If there's no consequences to right. the deception, then of course they're going to do it, right? Yeah. Especially if they're rewarded right.
3: with so financial successful.
0: incentives or control yeah. of the children. Of course yeah. they're going to lie. I mean, you have to, like, you have to see the code in the Matrix, guy, like guys. Like, there's, there's, there's the entire system, and I'm going to come off as like a MGTOW here right now, but the entire system is rigged against you if you're a guy. The line that my lawyer gave me when i told him that i wanted out was you're not going to go to court and i said to him why and he said because you have the penis and you're going to lose right all right how does this work you know break it down for me and after a two and a half hour call it was like i basically just like i just looked at the phone and i was like i'm fucked like i i didn't know what to do with all that information but that's why i've got don on here for you that's why we're showing you what the better states are versus the worst states You can at least, it's a slaughterhouse. Uh, You can at least, if you're going to do it, march into it with your eyes wide open and hopefully make some better decisions and uh, choices. What else you got for us, Don?
1: Well, you know, one of the things you want to talk about is what people can do. Um, And and I do want to underscore that, you know, I've always told fathers going through this that you have three jobs here and you have to keep all three jobs in mind, but you have to keep the priority ranking in order. The first job is to be the best parent you can be to your children within whatever constraints the courts have imposed on you so if it's an unjustified requirement that visitation be supervised still that's not your kid's fault and you know you, you be the best dad you can can to your kids um even if the constraints are really unfair don't let the injury that's been done to you <laughs> bleed over into the way you're relating to your children that's the first job the second job but it's ranked after the first job is to work as hard as you can to get the arrangement with your children to be as good as possible, and you know that's what uh, what what the uh, previous questioner said about you know spending three years and one hundred twenty thousand dollars. You know that was working to get the uh, best outcome. That's vitally important, but don't be working on briefs and things like that when you got your kids with you, when you could be out you know throwing the baseball with your kids or something like that. Um, if you're if you're deprived of parenting time, you've got plenty of time to focus on on your case um, when the kids aren't around. The third job, and this is the one that so many fathers forget, is to change the system so this doesn't keep on happening to people, right? And uh, you know, those of us who didn't get broken by the system, but see how flawed the system is, ought to be working to change the system. And so, one thing you can do, and this I'm not, this doesn't solve your case but it might solve your children's case later on you know if they're unfortunate enough to go through the divorce system um, is to work to change the system but there are things you can do to put yourself in the best position you can be in when you divorce and um, I always tell people it's like you're playing football on a slanted football field Um, that's what bias is it's a slant there's a bias against fathers it's it's well known it's demonstrable um, I had attorneys say to me, um, "I like to represent mothers because I like to win, but I like to represent fathers because I like to get paid." Um, so <laughs> there there is a bias, but that means there's a slant. It doesn't mean you can't win. It means you have to work harder and smarter. Now, by the way, it doesn't also mean it also doesn't mean that if you do work hard and smart, you're guaranteed to win. I'm not suggesting that, but you can increase your chances of getting the best outcome for you and your children by working hard and working smart. And one of the things that's important to do is to not let your emotions control you, especially in court. When when women are confronted with an injustice, with a threat to their most precious relationship, they're likely to cry. And that evokes feelings of sympathy mm-hmm. in male judges, in female judges. Right? If a man cries, it often evokes concern about whether this guy's stable or not the way that many men respond to threats to a relationship that they value is with anger and anger is counterproductive in the court system
0: yeah you really got to cool your jets and because, stuff because like yeah,
1: you look like oh maybe you're dangerous maybe this guy isn't safe etc so you got to keep a cool head you got to let the facts do the heavy lifting You've gotta lead with what's best for your children and not whether you're being victimized or not. You gotta say, look, you know, I love my children. I'm, I'm involved with my children. My children need me to be involved with them and not to be a weekend visitor, um, but you need to provide the evidence for that. And it, I mean, I guess this is obvious in a way, but I've seen so many fathers either fall into the trap of getting angry and yelling in court or or not really focusing on making their argument in terms of what's best for the children. I should say, um, you know, I wrote a paper in 1999 that argued that uh, parental rights were fundamental constitutional rights in the US um, and um, that uh, family law courts routinely violate those fundamental constitutional rights. And I have often had parents come to me and say, you know, I would like you to write a brief supporting this in my court case, or I'd like you to testify. And I tell them, um, I absolutely believe every word I wrote in that paper, but that's not the argument that wins in family law cases. Going in there and arguing, I have a right to this, and how dare you challenge these rights? That doesn't win. And your first job is to try to win the best outcome you can for your kids. And what that means is, showing the court that this is best for your kids to have people Are there, I don't mean you don't have that right. Just that's not the leading argument.
0: Are there any other um, things that men should contemplate before they get married or things that they should contemplate as they're perhaps married? Like, would it make sense, let's say, if a marriage is on the rocks and you live in a difficult state to move the family to a father-friendly state?
1: It might. That's a heavy lift to do that. Um, And it is with no guarantee of success. You'd have to establish residency in the state. I think it varies by states, but you have to be residency, probably six months in the state uh, to do that. So it wouldn't be Mm -hmm. as if a a quick move would do it. Um, Sometimes people talk about prenups. Prenups can apply to to the division of property and to other things like alimony and stuff, but they absolutely don't apply to custody. There won't uh, courts won't even consider. There are people who have written prenups. You know, should the marriage break up, we will both retain custody. Courts won't even look at that.
0: I know That's that the American going. legal system is slightly different from the Canadian one, but we have a concept here—a uh, a concept here called fraudulent conveyance. And what that what that really just means is, um, you know, if you if you took a uh, hundred grand worth of credit on your credit cards and uh, you transfer the title of your house into your wife's name. As you're racking up the debt with the intention of never, to pay, you know, never paying it, and mm-hmm. filing for bankruptcy, then uh, th- then a court could basically turn back the clock on that change of the title and put it back in your name, and then the creditor could sue you and take. Like, is there such a thing as fraudulent conveyance in the uh, United States? You know, I don't know, but like I think
1: that? there is. Um, okay. I, don't I believe there is, but I don't know
0: for sure. What else would would guys want to contemplate as they're going through this process so they can minimize the? Um, You know the damage to their kids uh you know minimize the damage to their wealth you know things like that so um
1: one thing that is counterproductive is to try to hide assets um because those are usually discovered and then you've lost credibility with the court Mm -hmm. um i think excuse me um i think that um, uh, it's um Mostly important, really, to be as involved a father as you can be, consistent with you know providing and so forth for your family, mm-hmm. and then to be able to show that to the to the court. Um, although I've had attorneys say to me that there are a number of factors in deciding any case. You know, there's the statute, and there's case law, and there are the facts of the case, and and there's the decision maker, the judge or the magistrate in the case, and the most important is the judge or magistrate. Um, because they have their own biases. Um, I've seen gender biases work against mothers as well. I've seen uh, usually older male judges who say, well, dad's remarried and his wife is going to stay at home. His new wife is going to stay at home. And I think kids should have a stay-at-home mom. So I'm going to give custody to dad because mom has to work down. They're separated. She's not Uh, she's not remarried so forth um and so mom suddenly gets cut out because that doesn't happen very often but i've seen that kind of bias as well um so
0: that's interesting
1: yeah um what else there was something else i wanted to say as a strategy here first of all you know if you can avoid court avoid it um if there's Sometimes people talk about how, you know, it takes two to tango, but it only takes one to drag the other person out onto the dance floor. Right. Um, so uh, but but if you can um, convince the other parent that you're going to spend enormous sums of money to battle this out in court, and it would be much better to mediate these issues, Um then do that. And if you can mediate a bunch of issues and only have a few that you have to go to court, that'll cut down the expenses as well. Mm. So that's another thing. Mediation will, will help.
0: Uh, with that. Don, Tony's got uh, a note there. Can you talk a bit about the structure of the title IVD program sure. and how it drives government incentives to stop sure. parenting?
1: Um, I wish I could say it's a simple story, but it's, it's rather complicated. Um, the, uh, the, the federal government reimburses the states for 66% for two-thirds of their administrative costs in running a child support um, system. That's not a windfall to the state, it's, but it compensates them for two-thirds of this. Of this. It the state doesn't make money from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard fathers complain that uh, the, 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 the Title IV-D thing encourages states to, uh, to have high child support obligations, I think that's actually true, but the story is more complicated than most fathers realize. Um, there are uh, five incentive uh, factors that the federal government uses to reward states for doing things as trying to encourage them to do. Several of those don't have anything to do with the size of a child support award. So for example, one of the uh, factors is uh, the percent of cases in which paternity is identified another factor is the percent of cases in which a child support order is issued that then doesn't have anything to do with the amount of the child support one of the factors is the uh, program efficiency and program efficiency is measured by the quantity of um, child support collected and distributed divided by the administrative cost well if you collect more child support from each obligor, the amount of money you collect goes up, but the administrative cost doesn't, because it doesn't cost any more to uh, enforce a child support obligation for, you know, uh, $500 a month, as it does, to $300 a month. So that does encourage states to have larger child support obligations. But the main driving factor is this, how much of this incentive money the state gets depends upon a base amount that the child support uh, system produces, and that is based directly on how much child support they collect. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in 2019, California um, collected $4 billion in child support. Now, California is one, it's the biggest state by population, it's the biggest economy in in the country. Um, It's much higher than most other states, but it's not higher than Texas. Texas's base was $7.2 billion. It's a smaller state in population, it's smaller uh, in, the, in its economy, but it had higher child support collections. And what that means is that even if Texas and California are doing equally well on all of these performance measures, Texas will get about twice as much federal subsidy dollars as California will. And so that is an encouragement for states to set their child support obligations higher, um, and to collect more child support.
0: Okay. I got some people waiting to hop in and ask some questions. Um, where do you see this going in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Like, do you see this improving for fathers? Like, what's the, what's the trend?
1: I, I certainly think so. Um, I, you know, I said that, uh, um, it's frustrating for people in this, uh, movement because that, you know, they're, many people that just give up i mean they feel like they're hitting their head against a brick wall and nothing's happening mm-hmm. but um as i said earlier um the, the winds are in constant but they're blowing only in one direction i mean the changes have all been improvements and we have now uh, pending child support uh, i'm sorry pending uh, shared parenting legislation there in 23 different states there are 40 different bills and there will be new ones introduced in this legislative session that many states are going into right now Many of those uh, are to establish a legal presumption of 50-50 parenting time. We've had near misses in a number of states. In Florida, um, they passed uh, equal share parenting legislation pretty strongly in both chambers of the legislature, but then uh, the governor uh, uh, vetoed it. In Missouri, um, we had equal share parenting legislation pass overwhelmingly in the House, and then it got held up on the Senate floor because really of a political pissing match between two senators it had really nothing to do with the merits of the bill, but one of them was just, you know, not going to let the other one move any legislation. So we've had a number of near misses and, you know, near misses are frustrating, but they indicate that, you know, a hit might be coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are going to be a number of States. I hope Ohio is one of them that pass equal shared parenting uh, legislation in the next, uh, in, in the next few years. And I think this is something that'll snowball. Because you know, uh, there actually there's a generational aspect. to We have overwhelming support for uh, for shared parenting uh, across the uh, uh, age groups. But you talk to younger people, and their view is, duh, well, of course that's the way you're you know you should do it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because you know the patterns of parenting have changed. You know we never we may have never really been in the Aussie and Harriet fathers knows best world. That might have always been bit of an exaggeration of the situation, but most families are dual income families. And in two thirds of, I'm sorry, in one third of dual income families, the mother earns more than the father. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. so, you know, women have careers, and men are taking on more of the, of the hands on care of children. And, and everyone is just and most people are just coming to see, well, you know, this is the way separated pairing should happen. So I really think it is going to change. Um, can't say when it's going to change in any, any given state because these idiosyncratic things pop up and block it. But there is a distinct direction to the movement.
0: Let me ask you a, a quick question before I pull these guys in. Um, I'm I'm doing some consulting right now on a new startup business, and one of the recommendations that we were tossing around was taking a um, taking a a, a a small percentage of the profits in the business towards a social cause, and I was going to recommend, you know, something that that advances or furthers the plight of fathers fighting to try mm-hmm. to get custody of their kids. Is there a is there a nonprofit? Is there an organization that 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 stands out as one of the best ones out there?
1: Well, we think National Parents Organization is a great organization. We have a number of corporations that, have, that have some usually with matching funds from because uh, we have a. Uh, a, 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 a supporter who uh who contributes to npo and then their corporation matches it okay. we have a number of uh of companies that have made contributions to npo and some family foundations that have done so as well um in canada i, I know there are some organizations and i'm sorry i'm not, I'm not it's actually a
0: u.s that. organization so so it would be okay. in the united states
1: yeah so um you know we think and i don't think this is just uh, institutional bias on my part we think the national parents organization is okay. the largest and most effective shared parenting organization um in the country. Uh, we were directly responsible for the uh, great success in Kentucky, which has served as a model for other legislation. And we worked with a state organization in Arkansas. We mm-hmm. are working with some state organizations in other uh, states, conduct, uh Connecticut, I'm sorry, and um and um uh, Wisconsin as well. Um and, and one thing I've, i I, um, one thing that's given me a real hope of change is that the various shared parenting organizations are um, working in greater uh, coordination than they had in the past. There used to be much more conflict between organizations about which organization, you know, gets credit for something, or and, and there were times when one organization would fight against legislation good legislation from a different organization um that seems to me to have to have gone and, and people are now recognizing that uh, what matters is getting the legislation passed mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't really matter who carries the ball across the line. all
0: right uh let me grab chris over here because it looks like he's got a, a question for you so chris how you doing bud?
3: hey guys are you, yeah. Are you
2: okay?
0: yeah what do you got for us tonight? Can't hear that great on this side, but I, I can get a, a bit of it.
3: Um, so, a Rich, longtime fan, a um, fellow author, and I'm actually writing about my experience on this stuff. I'm about 65,000 words in, need the last two chapters to work themselves out, but it's coming. <clears throat> and, I'm, and I'm really glad you brought Don on. Guys need to learn this stuff. And, and in terms of a question, I, I, I guess I'd like to offer some experience or some, some advice from going through this experience. And, Don, I'd love your feedback on it. Do not fight this fight alone. There are other men that have gone through it before you. The psychological and emotional toll it's going to take on you is going to it's it's designed to crush you. So find other men who have been through it. Don't go through this alone. It's it's a it's a marathon that's got to be run at a sprint's pace. You have to think the long game. You have to win the long game And, and you have to stay in the fight. The machine is designed to take you out of the fight. It's designed to bankrupt you. And make it so you can't fight. So, so play long game, um, and and stay cool. Don, you mentioned something about you know stay cool, stay calm, don't overreact, especially when you're you know in front of the judge, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and always know that the kids are always watching, as is, yeah. as is all the society. Right? <laughs> Everything you do is going to leave an impression on them for the rest of their lives. And and, and guys, just don't fight it alone. Yep. Yeah.
1: Chris, that's that's really great. Everything you said, I, I agree with, and I really appreciate your pointing out. The kids are always watching. Um, don't badmouth mom, uh, because it, uh, you know no, even if she richly deserves it, don't badmouth mom, right? Um, that, that's not in front of the kids. You know you can do it to your buddies when you're out having a beer, but not in front of the kids.
3: And, um, and expect it's coming to you, and expect yeah. they're hearing it about you yeah. all the time. I mean, every court filing is going to paint you as the devil incarnate. You are the worst thing that ever walked the face of the planet. You are going to be torched. just burned at the stake. Just, you know, let a duck uh, water off a duck's back. You got to get past it.
1: And Chris, I've seen people be broken by this. And I think it's really important to, to, you know, connect with other men who have been through this. Um, The other thing that I, that I I intended to mention earlier, when I was talking about keeping calm is this, I've seen uh, fathers who believe that they can arm wrestle the, the judge into doing what they want the judge to do that they can they can win it through you know legal argumentation judges and family law courts have a great deal of discretion and what you have to do is to win their heart first you make them want to decide the case in your favor you, you can't make them reluctantly come to your uh position they will find ways to avoid it I'm a law school graduate. I knew
3: this was coming when I went to law school. I specialize in family law. I still wasn't prepared for mm-hmm. my attorney's call. It's liar's court. Yep. And 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 truth does not, that literally does not matter. It's all perception and you have to manage the perception. Right. Yeah.
0: Good point. Thanks for sharing that, Chris.
3: Yeah. Rich, thanks for all, all you do. Don, good luck with everything. Yeah. Thanks,
1: Christopher, um, if you're if you're still there listening, Christopher, when yeah, you uh, get your book, I am, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, great. When you get your uh, your book published, uh, shoot me an email. I'm easy to find. Uh, hashtag Me double. Too
3: is the title of that book. Great. Oh, I'm sorry, hashtag He Too is going to be okay. the title of that. Okay,
0: book.
1: <laughs> okay. good, good time. Right. Great.
3: yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, we got another guy looking to ask a question. And by the way, guys, if you want to ask a question, what? the link to join is pinned at to the top on the YouTube. Uh, George. George, George has got some flames going on. I'm not sure if he's on fire or what's <laughs> going on here. What's up, buddy? Uh, I'm not sure about your audio. Just, hello? No, it sounds awful. It sounds like you're uh, talking underwater. I don't know if you can... Could... Yeah, uh, here, I'm going to have to pull you out because that's because it's, it's ruining the quality of the show. Um, what else can we cover before we wrap this up, Don? Like, there's a... Like, uh, so let me pose this question to you. Cause I mean, it sounds like you've been at this for a while and you've got a lot of insight. Is there, is there any advice that you could give guys as far as vetting, you know, um, like wife stock, if that makes sense? Well, like are there red flags that you would alert men to, to try to stay away from if they're dating a woman and she's all about wanting to have children.
1: I think, um, I don't have research to, to to back this up. So this is just talking off the mm-hmm. off the cuff on this. I think I'd be concerned if a woman had a sort of idyllic conception of what marriage and and you know motherhood involved a sort of white picket fence, and I'm gonna you know stay at home and take care of the kids and uh, so forth. I think that um, if that marriage breaks apart, I think that woman is uh, much more likely to really argue strenuously for sole custody and for alimony and so forth. I mean, I so
0: having, so having a professional wife that, that works or that, you know, has the kids and then goes back to work. That's your recommendation. Um, I
1: think that's, I, I guess be, I would think that was, would be safest. You know, Rich, I, are you familiar with the work of Emma Johnson, who has a website, Moms for Shared Parenting? No. Um, you would find her very interesting because she is a strong, some might say strident feminist, and she is an absolute uh, strong supporter for equal shared parenting. And her argument is that equal shared parenting is better for moms because it means that they have more time to pursue a career, to develop, to have an education, in order to get a better career, um, they can maybe take on a more challenging career, um, and uh, and they have time to, to you know recharge their batteries. And, and they have time to develop a personal life and so she frames it as why should we stick moms with this presumption that they're the primary caretakers when they divorce um
0: that's and, interesting
1: uh she she she's she an interesting person you might uh she, she is um she is a strong and assertive person um but you might find her an interesting guest
0: uh i <laughs> <laughs> My viewers watching know why I'm laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I, I can guess
0: too. <laughs> um, yeah, it, no, it's interesting because like, oh, great, you know, phenomenal. <laughs> I wish her all the luck with that, and she should definitely keep banging on that drum because that's what's best for the kids. Yeah, um, yeah. And if that and if that argument works for you know for her audience and they're and they're drunk yeah. on the Kool Aid, then that's that's as good as it gets.
1: That's what I think. It's a, it's yeah. another perspective for another audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, just to recap, you know, considering marriage, uh, definitely Kentucky and Arizona are your are your top mm-hmm. two picks.
1: Yeah. The other thing I'd say is that uh, Wisconsin is pretty good mm-hmm. on uh, the child support issue. And though their laws are not the strongest laws, um, they have a pretty strong practice of shared parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's something I, d- I didn't emphasize. I, I mentioned that our shared parenting report card is a report card on the statutes, not on what courts are actually doing because we don't have data on that. And what that means is that there can be states that have relatively weak shared parenting laws, but there's, there are court practices that are very favorable to shared parenting. Wisconsin is one of the few states where there have been studies of how much uh, parenting time uh, the courts are giving fathers, and it, it's ahead of the curve. Uh, it's ahead of other uh, states on this. I don't know if it's ahead of uh, Arkansas and, and Kentucky now. Those are fairly recent changes there. But um, it's got a practice there, so that's another state to uh, to um, think that's of great. as so, um,
0: Yeah, so again, guys, if you want to see any, see any of the data, uh, Tony dropped a bunch of the links to the material Don was referencing on the screen in the live chat. So if you're watching the replay, look for those links there. If you want the link to the uh, website, that's in the description. It's uh, sharedparenting.org and uh, all of those charts, all that material, all the PDFs are there. You can download them. Uh, Don, I like what you guys are doing. I appreciate uh, you, Tony, for reaching out to me and making the introduction on this whole thing. Tony, I'm gonna pull you in and just say, hey, what's up? Um, and it, it's you know, it's made a um, it's made for a good broadcast that's, um, I think, got a lot of value. Like the top state's part i can't emphasize this enough guys you've you're you're marching into a very very difficult predicament this is not like 300 years ago okay times have changed dramatically and when you get married and you say i do and you put babies in a woman and you and you and you build a family she can unilaterally at any given time decide that it's not for her anymore and and untie that knot and if you're in a state or if you're in an environment that's hostile towards you, as you've heard from some people already in the chat and, you know, have chimed in live as well, you're going to be up for a fight. And and it's a and it's an uphill battle like Don mentioned. Right. It's not a level playing field. There's an incline uh, and and it's skewed in her favor. So, you know, do what you can to minimize the risk. Actually, prenups. Do you have any data on prenups and how valuable they are state state to state? Or do you have any resources for people watching on, on that? No,
1: nope, no data on that. I just want to reiterate what I said, that they won't apply to child custody. Courts yeah. won't, won't pay any attention to that. I, we don't have any data on it. But I think courts generally defer to a prenup as long as the prenup is uh, one that... I don't believe was signed under some kind of duress or, or someone was you know flim flammed into signing it or something like that but as long mm-hmm. as it was signed credibly my, my perception
2: is the courts uh, are deferential to premiums mm-hmm. on property
0: Tony you mentioned you had some points that you wanted to add as well
2: yeah and uh, Rich thanks again for uh, for having us on here just a few points I wanted to add as Don was talking things I was writing down uh, the U.S. And, and really, you know, I'd say Canada and probably the U.K. are a little bit outliers here when you look at a lot of other countries, uh, especially in Europe. So I think it's important to remember that countries like Sweden, a lot of the Nordic countries, I think Italy recently, Brazil, uh, I think even I've heard other, state, other countries in Latin America, uh, they have more provisions for shared parenting and I'd say more reasonable outcomes for both parents. So, you know, sometimes I think we look at stuff in the States and think, well, this is the way it is all over the world. That's not really the truth. And especially in Sweden, uh, I believe it's Sweden, dog, correct me if I'm wrong, it might be Norway, uh, where they have had these laws very uh, you know well studied for decades now, you can really see that it is in uh, the best interest of kids in the long term and it has reduced the amount that people spend on divorces tremendously and that money can obviously flow to children instead of to divorce lawyers. Um so that's a that's one point I wanted to make so people remember that it, this has worked for decades in other countries. I don't know, Don, if you have anything to add specifically about some of those Nordic countries.
1: So, yeah, Tony, uh, that's a very good point. And, and Sweden and the other Nordic countries, uh, I think uh, Norway and Finland are also uh, very strong on shared parenting. But one of the one of the uh, points this raises is this. I, one of the things that's given me uh, great satisfaction about doing the uh, NPO parenting time, uh, the NPO shared parenting report, is that uh, now there is an effort to do the same thing in Canada, but there's also an effort by the uh, International Council on Shared Parenting to do one for the European Union. And one of the issues, uh, I'm a consultant on this, and one of the issues that has risen is that some of the countries that have the strongest practice of shared parenting don't have particularly strong statutes on shared parenting. And that's because there wasn't the pressure to change the statutes because the courts were already doing shared parenting routinely. So Sweden, I think, does not have the strongest shared parenting statutes, but they probably have the strongest shared parenting practice um, of any of the European countries. So that's, that's another indication of the, of the gap between what the statutes require and what the courts are actually actually doing, but one of the great things about the research that's been done in Sweden is that um, shared parenting is common for all sorts of families, for families where there's a high level of education, where there's a high income, where there's a high level of conflict. It's it's, um, common across the board. In the US and Canada, I I suspect in Canada, but in the US certainly, uh, shared parenting is much more common for parents that are more highly educated and for parents that have higher incomes. And so sometimes the criticism that the research is met with is, well, of course the the children of these parents do better because their parents have more money and their parents are more highly educated. And the research in Sweden shows that even for the, for The same level of education of the parents, the same level of income, children who are raised in shared parenting situations fare much better than children who are raised in sole custody arrangements.
0: Yeah, there's lots of data that confirms that two-parent households or access to or good access to both parents is far, far better for children. Far better.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it is. And and the other thing I I just wanted to say too, and, and Don, you know, mentioned this earlier, as far as having a, you know, the extent that we have a responsibility as folks that maybe have gone through the system to try to fix the system for future generations. And, you know, Matt Hale's a great example of having done that in Kentucky, of course. Um, you know, you're, if you have a child, uh, they're likely to get divorced. Uh, if you're from divorce, statistically, there's a probability that they will also be divorced. So I, I think people should always keep that in mind, whether they have a boy or a girl, uh, you know, to, to, to think about that. And once you get through your own, think about the next generation And, you know, if you're not someone who, hey, I'm not going to get involved in my local capital, you know, it's kind of the salesman talking here, but, you know, make a donation to an organization. We get our organization, another organization uh, that you find in your state if we're not operating there. So even if you can't help out necessarily with time, if you can spare a little bit of money, um, a little bit of money goes a very long way in getting this research done and this polling done. It's amazing what we could do with you know, five, $600 or $1,000, we can do some great work with that because we have a lot of volunteers. But, uh, you know, oftentimes, and Rich, I know you talk about this on your channel, you know, people want to throw money at, you know, um, red meat, let's call it, on the internet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to actually donating to something that could really bring about generational change in the future, like you saw in Kentucky. And, and just, just to, one last thing, I just wanted to close there on the Kentucky piece because I know, Rich, you asked about you know, if you had you know, joe blow and he's married to miss you know normal too so you have joe and sally they're married they get divorced in, in kentucky they're married they get divorced in new york and and I, I got to to learn a little bit about kind of how that works in, in those different states because i have a friend he's actually i believe watching right now is going through it in new york and then also folks that have gone through it in kentucky and worked with some of the folks that helped pass legislation in kentucky on the child support side so just so you see what a difference it is let's say you're making 70k mom's making 70k in kentucky and everybody's, you know, normal, no one's dangerous, you're probably going to split up share time equally, no one's going to pay anyone child support. One person, you know, you maybe you alternate the tax uh, benefits, and someone covers insurance, that's it. So that's not a bad setup, right? Now, whereas in New York, uh, they're going to take, you know, 20, 25, 30, up to 40% of your income, you're going to lose all your tax benefits, and you might see your kid four nights a month. So the differences in states financially and in terms, more importantly, of how much time your kids will spend with you are dramatic between those two states, as an example. Um, But And and also, just one last point there on that report. It's a great report. Check our stuff out on the child support. It's a totally different uh, calculus if you're a super high earner. If you're a high net um, individual, it's very different because I'll give you an example here. Uh, let's say there's a father in Texas who makes $500,000 a year in Texas, he's going to hit a cap where he's only going to pay, I think it's maybe 2000 and I say only it's a lot of money, uh, 2000, whether he never sees his kid or he sees his kid 50% of the time. Whereas in California, um, you know, that father, that very same father making the exact same income, mom makes the same income. He might pay $7,000 a month, uh, as opposed to two. So when you're a high earner, all of this changes as well. So it's a, very Is complex. there a
0: website or like a matrix somewhere on a website that like tracks this information that men can go to and be like, all right, this is my income. This is where I live. And they can get an idea of like which state is going to be favorable, especially if they're a high income earner. Cause you know, for me as a guy, like if I could hop into a time machine and go back 25 years and do it again, I definitely have kids and i would i would take some some steps to minimize the risk exposure to the way family law treats fathers and i'm just wondering if there's more information beyond just like child custody orders or stuff that deals with um how often prenups are enforced you, you know like all those things yeah I
1: I don't think there's any website that does what you're talking about, Rich, because it's a child support is a complicated matter and varies by. I mean, we took this one case scenario and looked at it in each state. But um, as, as Tony's pointing out, the states handle high income cases, radically different. Some differently. Some of them do a straight line mm. uh, extrapolation from the tables that they have. Some have a cap, some have a kind of curved line. So it, it's sort of like a cap, but it doesn't exactly cap. Mm. Um, and, and so you have to run different scenarios. And, and then there are all these add ons about health insurance and, and, and daycare and so forth that get added it. on. Now, many states have an online child support calculator, but you'd have to go to each state, run the calculator under the particular scenario. I think there's a
0: business in that, man. Like I think somebody should really like, like take all that information, put it together and offer it out to uh, people looking for it.
1: Yeah. I think some entrepreneur in the car could really make some.
0: I got enough things on the go. I don't have, (laughs) I have, I have, I have no more room on my plate for another project. I really don't, (laughs) but there you go, guys, guys that are like asking me about business ideas. There's a business idea for you, you know, help, help guys plan getting married so they minimize the risk and and cover all areas, you know? Custody orders, wealth uh, management, uh, alimony, um, you know, what the state's going to order you to pay versus what the kid really needs to live in that state sort of thing. You know, one of the early components that we covered when we were looking at Texas and a few others. There's a lot there to sort of chop up. And I think that, you know, guys are starting to wake up to this notion that, um, you know, marriage is a bit of a racket and, and and it's really designed to profit the state and the lawyers and the judges and whoever's involved in the system. And it's literally absurd. I mean, like, you know what? I heard that guy's story earlier. I can't remember his name, that older gentleman that was writing the book, but it's like, I mean, you shouldn't have to go through jumping through all of those hoops just to see kids that you made, right? Right. This is the first time in history that this has ever existed. Anyway, rant over. (laughs) Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Uh, your information is pinned. Very valuable broadcast. Um, I appreciate you spending some time today. Is there anything else that you want to send people to, or is it just a website that you want them to look at?
1: Just the website. If people have uh, time to volunteer, um, if we have a chapter active in your state, we'd love to uh, to have you get involved with that chapter. If we don't, we'd love to talk to you about the possibility of developing a chapter. We can't uh, always do it instantly. We, we have... Uh, limited resources. We are an almost all volunteer organization, um, but uh, but we'd like to talk to you about the possibility of establishing a chapter there. And, and then as Tony pointed out, you know, if you can uh, contribute some funds, uh, that's really important. Although we are almost all volunteer, it takes money to, to do the work that we're doing.
0: So, thank you guys, appreciate it. I'm gonna pull you. you out and just do a little bit of housekeeping while I cover that up. Just give me a second. I'm gonna come back to you after the show. Um, Moff and Jaron are doing an after show over on YouTube. Uh they dropped the link in the live chat. So if you want to carry on, um they're real good at like chopping up ideas, especially when it comes to dating and you know tied around to these sort of concepts. Um so you can go have a look at that. Also, if you haven't uh I mean I normally put this ticker up early, but just over my shoulder, uh channel sponsors for tactical soap and um, my supplement company if you see the ticker below over here you can just go to the unpluggedalpha.com uh the supplements are available they're all organized properly use coupon code alpha 10 to get 10 percent off and the soap ticker right there tactical soap grondike soap has been a big supporter of the channel for the last few years they've got some new scents they've got pheromone sticks they got beard oils it's all up there on the website go check it out again stuff like this helps create content and bring guys like this out on the show thank you so much guys for watching leave a like and a comment below and go check out moff and uh, jaron over on jaron's channel they're going to go live anytime now so we'll see you guys